This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, we've been talking about faith now for a bunch of weeks, and I believe it's very important that we get a hold of this. Uh, in Romans 1.17, it says, The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And so, once again, we gotta, we got to understand what it is to live by faith, and the Lord gives us great insight of that, and we can never get away from it, ever. I'm going to do everything by faith in the New Testament. And really, faith is, is trusting in the Word of God, what God said. And then another great scripture for you on faith is Hebrews 12, 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. So I, I can keep my eyes on Jesus because Jesus doesn't change. The Word of God doesn't change. You open your Bible tomorrow, you open your Bible a week from now, two years from now, those exact scriptures you're reading today, they still are the same. Remember, God said in Malachi um, 3, verse 6, he said, I change not. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can hold on to the things of God. Now, tonight, we're going to talk about a little bit of a, a different slant on faith, something that can literally stop your faith. The book of uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, he says in there, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And so when you look at that, what he's saying, it's not the big things that spoil the vine. It's the little things. And so in that sense right there, when we talk about faith, it's the little foxes that will mess your faith up or it's the little foxes that will put your faith over. It's the things, the little things that we do or don't do on a daily basis and a consistent basis. So, you know, even Jesus said this about faith. He said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed. So once again, it, it wasn't about the quantity of faith. It was more about the quality. And so we begin tonight in, in Mark 11, and we've been here a bunch, and this is right after Jesus curses the fig tree. And his disciples hear him do it, and it just shocks old Peter. And so Jesus uses this opportunity to teach us about faith. So we begin Mark 11 verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Now, he doesn't just make that as a blanket statement. Actually, he says that and then you know what he does in verses 23 and 24 He tells us how to do that. So we pick up in verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says, he will have them. Now, he tells us there, have the God kind of faith. So if we rewind all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, you will find out how the God kind of faith worked. And God said... Let there be light, and there was light. And so what God did, God projected his faith. God projected what he was believing by speaking it out of his mouth. So think about this. There was no light until God spoke it out of his mouth. Now, if you would go back and look in Genesis chapter 1, you will see, I believe it's on nine different accounts that it says specifically, and God said. And God said. So once again... 
He tells men you have the God kind of faith. So the Lord tells us, your words are very powerful. Now, we've been over this. Proverbs 18, 21 say, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of my tongue. So my words are either words of faith or my words are words of doubt. And once again, you want to locate where you're at, where you're at just start listening to what you're saying. Now, this was, this was one of our, our main themes in this that I said for every one of us, and this is how the Lord really worked with me. He told me that after everything I say in my, out of my mouth, tag it with, and that's just the way I want it. Now, some of you weren't here that night, so I'm going to give you an illustration on how that looks in a negative sense and a positive sense, in a, in a sense of unbelief and a sense of faith. So we can come up and we can say, you know what? I never sleep well at all, and that's just the way I want it. We're always broke. We never have enough, and that's just the way I want it. We're always sick, and that's just the way I want it. All we ever do in my home is fight. And that's just the way I want it. Or we can go from a slant of faith and we can say, I thank God that he supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ. And that's just the way I want it. I thank you, Father God, that according to Psalms 127 too, you promised me sweet and peaceful sleep. And that's just the way I want it. You said that, that, that I can train up my children when they, the, in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart. And that's just the way I want it. So once again, the words out of my mouth are so powerful. Now here's the key to verse number 23. It's just not saying out of my mouth. See, I can, I can start speaking the word out of my mouth. But the latter part, he said this. That whatever things you say, if you believe them, you will have them. So, oftentimes, we say things out of our mouth, but let me ask you. Do you really believe that the things you're saying are going to happen? Because if I don't believe it, it's not going to happen. And this was the difference in Father God. When Father God said, let there be light, he didn't cross his fingers and say, Ooh, I hope this works. He didn't knock on wood and say, oh, man, I got my rabbit's foot. No. God understood the power of words. And when God said, let there be light, there was light. See, it's kind of like the Big Bang Theory. I believe in the Big Bang Theory. You know how that looks? God said bang and everything took place. And it just happened. God did it all. And so he gives me insight in there. So once again, just rewinding a little bit. Remember this right here. There's power in your words. So we go to verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, now pay attention here because the Lord had this jump out off of the scriptures today to me. How many times in here he uses you? Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So, Five times in there, he uses you. So he's telling me there's things that you got to begin to do to get all this. So he said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Now, how many times when we pray, do we pray from a sense, I sure hope this works. Man, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pray about it. I just don't know. Well, let me tell you this. 
for my own life, I found out that if I don't believe my prayers are going to be answered, they're not going to be answered. And so the Lord, he wants us to get to a place of confidence. How can I get to a place of confidence in my saying and my praying? The key is, again, get in the Word. One of the most powerful things you can do is literally pray the Word of God over yourself. Why? The Word of God will create faith. The Word of God is is the substance to faith. The Word of God will never change. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So part of my faith is released when not only I hear the Word of God, but I speak it. So I used a minute ago the reference of Psalms 127-2, Proverbs 3-24, Psalms 127-2, Proverbs 3-24, and Psalms 4 and 8 talk specifically about your sleep. The reason I'll quote those so quick is because I've stood on them for years in my life. Every one of them talk about great sleep. So here's how my prayer would look as far as praying the word of God. I would say, Father God, I thank you tonight that I'm going to have sweet and peaceful sleep because you said I would. And, and, and the word of God is my title deed. And so it's important that you find scriptures that are pertaining to the areas of your life that you're going through and begin to speak them, begin to pray, and then grab a hold of them and say, Woo, I believe these, Lord. I believe this is going to take place. I thank you that this is going to happen. And throughout the Bible, men had to get over in faith and believe. Think about this with the man Elijah. Remember when, when he prayed that it wouldn't rain and didn't rain for three years? And then he said, you know, it's going to rain again. And so he prayed and, and he tells his little servant boy, he said, go up on that cliff and look and see if you see anything. Little servant boy crawls up there. He can't find nothing. He comes back and says, nothing. Elijah said, go again. Go again. Now, when I see he tells him to go again on seven different occasions, it wasn't that the servant boy was out of shape and he was trying to get him into shape. Elisha, he had that in his heart. It's going to rain. And so the seventh time, the little, the little servant boy comes out and his tongue's dragging the ground and he looks and says, I see the cloud in the ocean about the size of a hand. That's not very big in, in proportion to an ocean. And you know what Elijah does right there? He said, go tell Ahab he better get his rain boots on because it's fixing to rain. See, he believed it. He knew when he prayed. God is going to answer. And, and I believe every one of us can do, get to that point. That was just a little review. This is the area we're going to go to tonight. And this is a little fox that will, will destroy or short, short, short circuit your faith. Look at verse 25. And here it is again. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. So a condition of prevailing prayer is is a forgiving spirit. If you'll note here, he said, if you have anything against anyone, if you. Now the New Living says it this way. First, forgive if you hold a grudge. So think about this in the sense of what Jesus is saying here. The Father's forgiveness toward me and you is determined by my forgiveness toward other people. And right here, he's warning me and you that if I walk in unforgiveness, my prayers don't even get off the ground. 
It shuts it down completely. Verse 26, he goes on to say this. But if you do not forgive your father, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. And so forgive, and then God will forgive you. And right here, I believe the Lord's telling us, you've you've got to adopt forgiveness as a daily discipline. Daily. One of the best things you can do is, is have this heart. Lord, I'm quick to repent, and I'm not easily offended. You know, one of the signs of the end time, it said the love of many will wax cold. You know what I believe the love he's talking about there is? We quit forgiving. We walk in offense and we walk in offense. And so here's what it looks like, that when you begin to pray, it's like a, a tree that begins to have leaves on it. But when I walk in unforgiveness, that tree is not allowed to bear any fruit. Nothing happens. And so the Lord right here, he, he's telling us, Unforgiveness will stop your faith. It would be like pulling the cord out of a lamp. Just shuts it down immediately. So here's the question right here. Have you ever asked the Lord this and said, Father God, why aren't my prayers being answered? Why aren't my prayers being answered? Could it be because I have unforgiveness in my heart? With what he's telling me right here. And if I have unforgiveness in my heart. What am I doing with it? See oftentimes when we have unforgiveness in our hearts. We carry it around like we do a purse or a wallet. And it's always there with us. And this will stop you immediately. With, with believing God or praying. You know. M- many times that we have this thought. I could never forgive oh so-and-so. Now, we've said that before, or we least thought it. I could never forgive oh so-and-so. I can't do that. Now, think about that in your life. Have you said that? What about this? If I, if I knew some of your history, and I got around you, and I'm just going to use Aunt Susie for a, a, a reference here, and I mentioned Aunt Susie's name around you, and immediately... You gave me ten reasons why you didn't like her. It would be a pretty good sign that something's wrong. So think about that in your life. When somebody mentions someone's name, man, does your heart start beating? Does your mind start playing games? Because if that's the case, a lot of times we walk in unforgiveness. And so what happens with unforgiveness? It it gives place to a foothold. And not only does it give a, fa- a, a, a foothold, we start creating a record. We start recording things. And ultimately, the progress of that is we record the records of wrong, and it goes like this. We go from resentment to retaliation. From retaliation, we go to anger. From anger, we go to hatred. From hatred, we go to violence. And from violence, we go to murder. I can tell you this right here. I don't know whoever one of you in this room, but I don't believe any of you would probably murder anyone. But Jesus, and he, he, he describes it this way. You can have murder in your heart. You can have murder in your heart. 
even though you didn't do the action. It's embedded in your heart. So think about that in your life because the root of all that is unforgiveness. Now, I I was around a person within the last year that at one time was an incredible prayer warrior. I mean, the things of God would just roll, just roll. So there were some things that began to happen to one of their children. And, you know, I mean, not one of us in here, we, we don't like, you know, as a man, you can mess with me, but you mess with my wife or your kids, you're gonna see, my kids, you're going to see a different reaction. That's, that's human nature. So one of their children start getting messed with, and there was a bunch of stuff starts happening, and we could literally see unforgiveness squeezing the life out of this woman. And so I was in the presence, and we mentioned this guy's name who had hurt her daughter. And you know what she said out of her mouth? Now, one time, listen, guys, this was a woman so full of God. And out of her mouth, she said that, if that SOB walked in here right now, I'd blow his head off. And when she said that, I was like, whoa, whoa. And so none of us are exempt from this. This can happen. But understand, this is strategic from the devil right there. And so at that split moment, you can tell the truth to people in love. And and it was said to her right then, you've got murder in your heart. You've got unforgiveness in your heart. And the look on her face was like, oh my gosh, I do. And our goal wasn't to bash her. I can realize I can operate in unforgiveness if I keep allowing it to hang around. Now, go with me to the book of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. So, right there, sometimes we get mad at God. And why aren't you answering this, Father God? Why aren't you doing this in my life? Understand, one of the best things you can do is look and find out, do I have unforgiveness in my heart? And then what am I doing with it if I do? I got to release that junk. I got to forgive them. Now, in this passage here, I'm going to start in Luke 6, verse 38. When you see where we're going with this verse here, most of the time this verse is used in a, in a giving context, okay? Verse 38 of Luke 6. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, would put into your bosom. For at the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this is a universal law here. As you give, God will give in return. When you put a seed in the ground, the ground will yield a harvest. So in that passage right there, he said, with the same measure that you used, it'll be measured back to you. Would that apply to giving? It would. But it applies to so much more. So I, I wouldn't say that I'm a big gardener. I have these little, little plots at my house. And my granddaughter, she loves to tinker around with me. And so I plant vegetables and stuff. Now, there's never been one day in my life that I planted a watermelon seed. And then I thought a couple months later, man, I hope corn comes up. See, none of us think that way. That when we see the the, the farmer planting large amounts of cotton, we don't think, man, it'd be great for him if he got wheat. We'd all look and say, once again, you're spending too much time in Colorado. They're smoking a lot of dope again. That doesn't happen. But see, when we think about this in this sense with Father God, we really don't believe this is going to happen. 
Because watch what happens as we go the other way now. Start in verse 36. Therefore be merciful just as your father also is merciful. So he's telling me right there with what he said in verse 38. That if I sow mercy, you know what I'm going to reap? I'm going to reap mercy. It's it's a universal law. If I sow, I don't know if this is a word or not, unmercy. Is that a word? Well, you guys understand. If I sow unmercy, then I'm going to not have mercy. All you English teachers, I know I rocked you right there, so sorry. Look what he says in verse 37. Now, as I read this, put your name in there. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Let me say it this way. Raul, judge not, and you won't be judged. Condemn not, and you won't be condemned. Now, look what he ends with here. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So once again, this is the, the, the law that's going to take place that I'm always putting seed in the ground. And if I walk in unforgiveness, then that's what I'm going to begin to reap. And oftentimes in our life, we're saying, I don't know why people are always mad at me. Well, it's probably because of the seed you've sown. Now, periodically, when the Lord can slow me down enough that I can come up in traffic and, and someone on the way home where I go from work is right there at 82nd and Quaker. There's always someone trying to come out of four bucks. Always. And, and they want in. Starbucks, okay? Five bucks now. And sometimes I have the thought, just wait, buddy. It's not your turn. You're not getting out. You, you think that way, Pastor? I do. I got a flesh deal. But I'm getting better and there's times I'll look and I'll think, man, I need to sow some good seed today. So I'll say, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And for, for your information, I did pretty well at Walmart last week. I did. I got a rookie checker, and he messed up three times in a row. And I sat there, and I looked, and I thought, I know what you're doing, Lord. I know. But once again, throughout our day, we're sowing seed. We're constantly sowing seed. And so if I know I'm going to get a harvest of what I'm sowing, I better start paying attention even in the area of forgiveness. Now watch what happens here. We're going to Matthew chapter 18. Forgive others and you'll be give, forgiven. Don't forgive others and you won't be forgiven. It's that simple. But if you'll pay attention to those verses, there's no loopholes. There's no asterisk marks that says, you're exempt from that. You don't have to. There's not one. This pertains to every one of us. So we start here in Matthew 18. Look at verse number 18. Now, this is really good here. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Those were Jesus' words. He goes into further detail in Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19. So the word loose there means whatever you permit, and the word bind means whatever you forbid. So I like that verse. You know what that tells me? Jesus has given me some authority. Woohoo, we got authority. Keep reading, verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything, that you ask, it will be done for them in my fa- by my Father in heaven. Now, I like that too. I realize that I can come up to Paul and say, hey, let's get an agreement here. Let's pray that. I like that, that thought, man. Let's start the prayer of agreement. Is that not true, Pastor? Yeah, it's true. Verse 20. 
For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I like that one too. So you think about right here what the Lord Jesus has just referred to, the power of binding and loosing, the power of the prayer of agreement, where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in the midst of us. I love every bit of that. But he didn't stop there. How do I know that? Look, look at verse 21 at the very next word. It said, then, then. So right here, Jesus is talking about that. And it says, then, oh, Peter, he came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Jesus said, up to 70 times 7. Now, the, the, the meat of this right here was in Peter's time, a lot of the rabbis would teach that all you had to do was to forgive three people three times. That's it. Three times. Shoot, I'd wear those out in the first hour. So Peter here, he's wanting to impress Jesus. So he said, so what if I do it seven times? In other words, I'm going to be real generous with this. Because you know the number seven is the number of perfect. So Peter's being he's spiritual here. And Jesus says to him in verse 22, I do not say to you up to seven times seven, but up to 70 times seven. Now, here's the deal with this right here. When Jesus said this, this wasn't a mathematical formula. Jesus wasn't saying, now get your pens out. All right, Ashley, 423. Because I know seven times 70, 490. 426, 428. That's not what he was saying. You know what Jesus was really telling us? He was saying, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, you've got to make forgiveness a lifestyle. Learn to just walk in forgiveness because if you don't, it's going to mess with your faith. And so this is what he begins to tell Peter here. Now, once again, this command wasn't optional. It was a requirement. And Jesus wasn't under any illusion that this was easy. None. You know, in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, he talks about two roads. He said there's one road called the wide road. And he said, many are on it, but it's the road that leads to death. The other road is called a narrow road, and only a few are on it, but it's the road that leads to life. And, and when I read those things like that, I believe forgiveness and unforgiveness is tied into that verse. Because the majority of the people, you know what they'll say? I won't forgive them until they tell me they're sorry. Well, I can tell you this right now. There's a good chance they're never going to tell you they're sorry. Go to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And as you're turning there, listen. When you release people that have hurt you, you have released yourself. Woo! And get a hold of this. When you release a brother, then God releases you. You may remember what they did, but you no longer carry that. What do I mean by that? Well, whatever they've done to you, you don't carry someone else's sin within you. You've gotten rid of it. So look at this, that when I have unforgiveness in me, it's like a poison. But I want you to know, that this will help you tonight. This has really, really helped me. That Christian forgiveness isn't some cheap denial. 
We've all heard this as a Christian. Well, you've just got to forgive and forget. Listen, guys, I don't believe you're ever going to forget some of the things you've done. The difference is now is by forgiving them, you say, I don't want to retaliate. Think about this. For every one of us in this room, Jesus forgave every one of us for what we did. Was his forgiveness, was it cheap? No. It cost him his life. And so I never want to forget what Jesus has done for me. So you're probably going to remember things the rest of your life. But once again, when I truly forgive someone, I don't want to retaliate. I don't want to get even. Now watch this right here. In this passage, in Acts chapter 7, Uh, some of the disciples were, man, they were a bunch of religious nuts, and the religious nuts were so ugly to them. We pick up here in verse 54, and it said, When they heard these things, they were cut to heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Now, the person they gnashed at with their teeth was this man named Stephen who loved Jesus. Now, get this picture. You want to see how ugly people are? Can you think gnashing at their teeth? That's not a pleasant sight. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city, stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man, Saul, who would later be Paul. And they stoned Stephen. And as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. This guy's on the verge of dying. And literally, you know what he says there? I don't want to press charges. I don't want to press charges. So when Jesus is on the cross about to die... Jesus says very similar what Stephen did, and Stephen copied him. But Jesus said, Father God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, in that situation right there, Jesus had forgiven them. But if you look closely at that, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. I I don't want to press charges on them. I've released them, now I ask you to release them. Now, something happens right here. When I get over and start living that way, when I say, you know what, I'm not going to be for, for, uh, offended. Do you know in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, but mostly in Matthew 5, the Lord Jesus instructs us and he says, pray for those who hurt us. Pray for those ones who curse you. Bless those ones who spitefully use you and persecute you. And you look at that and you think, There's no way. But God will grace you in that area. And the key is this, that if you're waiting until you have about a million Holy Ghost goosebumps on you to do it, it's not going to happen. If you think that this feeling's going to come on you and you think, Woo, feelings, nothing more than feelings. It's not going to happen. So what am I telling you? You've got to step out there by faith. And the key is this. When you've been offended or hurt from, by someone and you've got unforgiveness in you, you say this out of their, your mouth. You say, Father God, I forgive Paul. And I ask you right now, blessing. I ask you right now to, to touch his heart today. 
Now, I will tell you this. When I've been hurt in my life and I've had to pray that, everything within me, it defied me. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I've been known to tell the Lord I would rather pray the Brutus prayer. You know what the Brutus prayer is? Lord, whack them at the knees. Get them. But I find out if you return hate for hate, it guarantees hate's always going to win. So there's been times, and you'll see me up here. This, this makes my wife nervous. But when I come in here and pray, I walk these. I just do this all day. And I'd get in here and I'd begin to repent. And I'd say, oh, Father God, I forgive them. I'd say, bless them, bless them. And when I first started doing it, it, it felt like it violated me. I was like, that's not right. But the more I would do it, I would begin to see something release out of me. And I can get in here where I become very sincere. And I said, Father God, everything that I ask you to do for me today, do it for Raul today. And Raul hadn't wronged me. I'm just using that. And so the more I begin to speak it out of my mouth and say, Father God, I forgive them. I walk in forgiveness today. There's a change in me. And, and guess what? I know God is working in me. That unforgiveness is out of me. When I get in their setting, when I'm, a, when I'm going to Walmart, when I have to go there and I look down the aisle and they're there and I think, oh, I'm going the other way. That's a sign you probably hadn't really forgiven them. And there's a guy I see every year at the Man of Iron and he was literally a thorn in my flesh. And I can see him now and I'll high five and say, bless you, dude, bless you. Because I got rid of all that junk. And so remember this, that a lot of times, even when our faith isn't happening and we're praying and we're speaking, we're like, God, what's going on? The first thing you ought to check is, is unforgiveness embedded in my heart. And every one of us, every day, have an opportunity to be offended. How many of you got offended today? You know, some of you are honest. We'll pray for liars after the church. No, I'm just kidding. So you see what happens here with us. And it's, it's easy, the devil, to do that. The devil will tell you stuff like this. I wouldn't let them do that to me. I wouldn't. If they, t- they tell lies about you, I'd go after them. I'd get them. I'd put on Facebook. I'm going to tell you right now. That stuff will wear you out. And remember the cycle that it just keeps going and it keeps going. Stand up here for the nursery workers going to have to forgive me. See, once again, this is just an area that I believe we got to just stay on. Now, let's bow our head right here. And Father God, I, I thank you for your word that is designed to help us. And Father, we ask through the Holy Spirit and through your grace tonight that you help us to walk this out. And, and right there where you're at, once again, we're not denying that people have hurt us. But again, is am I going to allow that, that hurt, that sin to remain in me? Or I say, Lord, I'm getting rid of it today. And that's what some of us got to start doing right here. Because again, it'll stop your faith just like that. So Lord, we ask you to grace us. Lord, we put on the robe of forgiveness. And we ask you to help us right now. Help us. And Lord, bless everyone in here. And I know this isn't easy for some. But Father God, you can do that and help us.
in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me tell you this story. If you need to go, go ahead. So, a lady's been coming to church for about a year. and I, I, She never told me this, but her brother had been stabbed to death right here in Lubbock. And they sentenced the guy to death, or not to death, they sentenced him to the penitentiary. And I don't remember for how many years. And so after they sentence him, they allow all the family members to, to look at him and speak. And she had several siblings, and the first ones would get up there and say, I hate your guts, I'll never forgive you. One of them said, I pray you burn in hell for everything you've done. Just one right after the other, well, she's the last one. She started coming to church and gave her heart to Jesus, and God had begun to work in her life, and just something rose up on the inside of her, and she looked at him and said, I don't like what you did to my brother, but I forgive you. And when I heard that story, the, the passage I read you there in Acts 7 about Stephen, I didn't get over in it, but it said that when Jesus was witnessing what was going on with Stephen, it said he was standing up. Almost every reference you'll find of Jesus, that when he went to heaven, it says, He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's seated at the right. In this passage, he's standing up. And you know what I think he was standing up? It was like he was giving him a standing ovation and saying, way to go. And when I heard that woman do that, I was like, bless her, Father God and the Lord, like I am blessing her. And so I tell you that to tell you, you may be in difficult situations. God will help you. He'll help you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.